Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. Just two regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about magic, in particular the online client, MTG Arena. And today is our new player's guide. So if you are new to Arena, new to Magic, or coming back to Magic, I don't know, if you're playing Arena, either it's a good refresher or a great way to learn where you should start or maybe some practices you've been using that uh, may not be the best. Um, We're just going to talk about how to jumpstart your uh, Arena career. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff... What's on tap? All right, so we're initiating a tap takeover here of uh, a brewery called Grain and Grit. It's in Hamilton. Uh, I mentioned last week, for those that were listening, that I recently moved to Hamilton. So I almost said local brewery, but it's actually still like a 20-minute drive for me. So uh, it's uh, local-ish, local-ish. But uh, yeah, it's a a cool little brewery. Um, They have like... I've seen their stuff around, but I don't think I've ever actually tried it, so I'm excited to get into it, and so on that note, I decided to start us off with just something really, like, mellow, you know? Just see what they can do with a good old-fashioned German Pilsner. So it's called Little Thrills. It has a skull skateboarding, and I love that the skull is wearing a helmet, because it doesn't want (laughs) to damage itself. (laughs) Uh, Safety first, folks. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like a, like I said, a German Pilsner, 4.8%. So, you know, German Pilsners tend to be pretty tight in what, what gets allowed and what can be called a German Pilsner. So let's see what they can do with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. First of all, Jeff, you said it all wrong because obviously it's called Little Thrills German Pills. That's why they wrote it like that on the can. Um, <laughs> no, I explicitly went out of order just to, just uh, to screw with it. To make sure people knew it didn't rhyme. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, check out the art on our Instagram, at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, it's some just a cool style, something you don't usually see on cans of beer, which is kind of what drew, uh, sorry, drew us to it in the first place. Um, but it was opened in 2017 by like a lovely beer loving couple. Uh, just, you know, just a couple who's like gets drunk and talks about opening a brewery and then they did. So, hey, there's still hope for you out there. If you do that, <laughs> hey, maybe one day you will be green and great. It's still hope for us then, right? Yeah. Someday <laughs> we'll, we'll have a bar. Maybe if you help <laughs> us out. Um, yeah. All right. Jeff, I do want to get into uh, our new player's guide. We have a lot of things to talk about. This is kind of in the culmination of um, just all of our philosophies, little tips and tricks that we've come across through doing the podcast and through playing a lot and uh, hearing what new people have uh, come in contact with and been frustrated by or um, just don't know how to handle or aren't um, understanding really correctly. So this is just a good way to um, keep you from falling down similar paths um, that others have tripped and, well, fallen into uh, holes, I guess. Um, First off, we just want to say this is a little bit of a disclaimer. So this isn't really a guide to teach you how to play Magic. Arena is really good at that. So if you have an account and you're playing, obviously you're probably (laughs) playing if you're listening to this podcast. Um, 
but that it can teach you how to how to play and then this is just a way to keep you from getting scammed by the store because sometimes the economy can be a little predatory um yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah and and we also want to say it in a kind of a lighthearted way like there are people who think that the arena economy is the worst thing in the world that is trying to kill you and eh, you know that that seems a little intense to me but uh we have some things to yeah. help you out so so stay tuned if you're looking for a way to actually to actually deal with in combat uh what can be kind of uh, stressful yeah totally one way to think of it is just like we've spent a lot of time interacting with arena um you know i i think i've played it since it came out essentially uh and i think you were actually technically it was still in beta when when you started although that was partially because the beta lasted forever but um, <laughs> that's true <laughs> it I've seen through like many different iterations. Uh, and so, you know, we've both sort of put that time in and can hopefully save you guys some money slash time slash gold slash wild cards. We'll get into all of the different resources that this game consumes. But uh, uh, yeah, like you don't have to relearn the mistakes or lessons that we already learned. I really like how you put that because that brings us right into our first big question. And it's the question that you should be asking yourself over and over again when you are um, playing arena or just basically kind of games in general, but specifically ones like this, uh, is that you need to ask yourself if you want to spend more money or more time on the game. Now, this is something that you will ask yourself over and over again as you continue to go through your career in arena. A career, I don't know. Nobody's a pro anymore, so um, your time in arena and yeah. as you're playing, but... Uh, Basically, um, it's a free-to-play structure, and so you're either going to spend money or a lot of time to get to similar places. So if you just look at what your resources are in the real world right now, do you have money to give or time, tons and tons of time to give? And that will help you make more decisions down the road. Yeah, and I think the first thing I kind of want to say on this topic is like, there's no wrong answer here mm -hmm. you know sometimes people can be like oh you know i don't want to admit that i want to spend money on this because there's that's somehow shameful it's free to play so i have to make sure i don't put any money in or you know sometimes people come in with the exact opposite like oh why would i spend so much time you know that that's wrong too like they'll think i'm a noob because i won't have the the nice aesthetics or whatever i don't mm -hmm. know um i think generally the first camp is, is the thing that most people fall into is like you can't spend money on a free-to-play game hey man it's your time it's your free time and uh there's totally nothing wrong with spending money on a hobby that you enjoy and there's also nothing wrong with if you can't or don't feel comfortable spending money and you just want to like play for free that's totally fair too, but don't like hamstring yourself by, you know, just sit down and assess your situation. Be like, can I spend money on this? Do I want to? And if the answer is, is no, then don't. And if the answer is yes, then go for it. Like there's, there's, there's just no right or wrong answer. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, a lot of people are very proud of being free to play players, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do that, that's great. And you can, the cool thing about arena is that you can actually play magic for free, which really in, in paper you can't. Um, so that is something that we do get to have, which is wonderful. I really like that. 
Um, people do kind of forget that sometimes. Um, so you can sit down on your computer and play whenever you want. And uh, it is possible that it could be free. Um, but of course, if you want to really put, you know, really give it a good run and, and try real hard, it might, you know, you could do a bit of both. Sometimes you grind things and sometimes you put in a little money. Um, it's okay to do that too. It's actually probably um, what most people do. So, uh, right. Yeah. Like I have sort of a, a, I would say it's like general philosophy when it comes to these free to play games that I test them out. And if I think I'm going to play them for any substantial amount of time, I don't mind sort of treating it as any other game uh, that I would buy and spend time on. Like, you know, I grew up in the era when you, you spend 50 bucks, you got a game, you played that game until you were bored. And that's how, you know, I, we had rental services and all that stuff, obviously, but mostly that's how the gaming industry worked. Yeah. A game was like anywhere between 50 and and $100 kind of crept up uh, as time went on and games got more elaborate. And so for me, it's always just been, that's how I interact. And so I'm like, oh, well, I'll just treat this like a new game I'm buying. I'll buy the beginner's, uh, you know, pack yeah. or whatever after I've confirmed that I like the game enough. Because I try, you know, I'll try them all and, and play them once. But the ones that I decide, oh, this one actually is pretty good. I don't mind buying the intro pack. Like, that's my, that's me paying for the game or whatever. And then I play uh, whatever, 50, 100 hours of that game. Um, and that's just something I'm totally fine with. And, and again, if, if that's not you, that that's okay. But like everyone has their, their way of interacting with free-to-play games. I know people that just won't. It's free-to-play. Why would I spend money when I could eventually get that uh, those resources by just playing? And that, that's totally fair, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this one is one of my favorite games, obviously. I have a podcast about mm -hmm. it. But uh, I've come back yeah. to it multiple I have times. Spent, I've spent money on Arena. So. Yeah, yeah, and I've also spent money, of course. Uh, but only because Jeff told me to. I wouldn't have if yeah. Jeff didn't tell me I to. I was like, I bullied him, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Great. So that'll kind of come back up throughout uh, a lot of the conversation because it's a constant uh, discussion that people like to have. But um, anyway, let's get into the arena economy a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to start out with the most important resource. So there are several different resources that you can uh, use or have in the game. Um, but one that gets, uh, it gets talked about a lot, but I think it should be the first thing that we talk about because it is the most important and the hardest to get, which is wild cards. So in arena, if you want a certain card of a certain rarity, you have wild cards for them. And those wild cards can be literally any card of that rarity that you want. And you just turn it into that. So you have common, uncommon, rare, mythic wild cards. And please, please, please covet those. Keep them. They are gold. They're the best thing that you could possibly get in the game. Because if you want to build decks or do different things, so you'll probably have to use wild cards at some point to get the cards that you want. Now, Jeff, how much does wild card cost? <laughs> do we know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, you know, before we try to answer that question, let's just quickly interject, because this is also a theme that pops up again and again and I kind of wanted to say it at the free-to-play thing like when you think about it you'll notice that almost every game that comes out or like a lot of these big games of this style that come out are free-to-play magic could charge us $30 and then you know subsequent expansions are $20 or whatever 
that could be their business model. The reason they choose free-to-play is because, at the end of the day, they make more money that way. And so you have to understand. It's not because of some benevolence that they have. They believe everyone should be able to play Magic. They might say that, but if they made a lot more money the other way, they would do it the other way. The reason they do it this way is they get more customers and more money, so it just makes sense for them. So you have to understand that when like people are willing to spend money on this game, they will tend to spend a lot more than they would in a typical other game. And there are a few ways that WotC accomplishes that, but one of them is that it's really hard to figure out, to actually sit down and figure out how much it costs to play. Like if you wanted every card and to do everything, um, it's not as simple as this costs a dollar, you want 42 of them, it costs you $42. You'll find that everything we talk about from the future has like weird conversions between the different things. And like sometimes the conversion will tell you that Watsi prices it at, at $1.50 and sometimes it'll tell you it's $1.75 and sometimes it'll tell you it's $1.25 because they don't want you to be able to just easily look at something and have a dollar number in your head because you're conditioned to how much dollars are worth to you or whatever your currency is, but you're not conditioned to how much gold is worth or how much gems are worth. And so it's in their best interest to keep it that way. I don't want to get into like ethics and all that. <laughs> They're obviously going to do it that way because that that's the best way for them to do it. Like, you know, if you hate capitalism, that's too bad, but they're they're not just going to have you know 100 gems be a dollar because that's if, too easy if you hate capitalism <laughs> so do i but trading card games are like the most capitalist yeah. game you could play and i love magic too much to care so let, let, let's get together and come up with a better system yeah we should but, uh, that's going to be our next podcast right after this one um uh but basically so our closest idea to what how much it costs for a wild card is that um uh, they had give out, given out at some point, Watsi did, a wildcard bundle that was 16 wildcards, 12 rare, and 4 mythic, and it was for $50, five dollars for 16 mm-hmm. wildcards. Uh, so if you kind of, you can kind of guess what they would think, so it might be like mythics are worth twice as much as rares, so like a rare is like $2.50 and a mythic is $5. Um, you can guess. It doesn't really matter. Um, and that's also a ridiculously high price because they, it, you know, it It was the kind of thing that was, everyone was upset by it when it came out. And uh, it just seems like they they just value wild cards very highly, which means we have to as well. So right. our, our first tip, and I said it before, but use them very sparingly and please, please, please plan ahead when you are using them. Um, this mainly... Yeah goes for rare and mythic wild cards but have a plan and and, you know just to keep going on that a little bit you know you might say oh 12 rares and four mythics is 50 dollars it doesn't sound that hard to price out first of all i was kind of surprised they did this because i think when this hit everyone was shocked at how high this number was that 16 wild cards is 50 dollars which goes to show their strategy was working people didn't have an innate understanding of how expensive wild cards were so i was surprised they kind of let that cat out of the bag but also, you know, in order for Zach to give you a number, he had to say mythics are twice as valuable as rares, just in order to come out with something. But it's not that clear cut. Like, I don't know, what is it? Every five times in your progress bar, I think it's once six. is a mythic. Every, every so six, 
Yeah, yeah. Every sixth or... Right. So anyways, like, oh, maybe mythics are four times or five times as much as a rare, as valuable, because they come along, you know, once in each of these cycles. But then at the same time, I, ha I know that rare and mythic wildcards appear in packs with the same percentage chance. So it's just, they don't make it as easy as a mythic. We value a mythic at 4.87 times a rare. They'll never tell you that. And then even if you did have that information, the next like thing they release, you know, it won't have the rares and mythics costing the same. Like if, if oh, a rare is, a mythic is four rares, we do this like, oh, 12 rares and four mythics for $50 is like, uh, okay, a rare is then they're telling you it's like $1.78 if you think that a, a mythic is four rares and then a mythic is whatever, $7 and something. It's like the next thing they give you won't have those same conversion rates, distributions of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then they have the numbers on how well these things sold and stuff and they obviously don't release that. So um, just get, I think the, the safe thing to assume is that everything is worth a little more than you think it is because that's kind of how the economy is designed and it's why they it's why they don't want you to know right if everyone is surprised at how cheap everything is they'll tell you how cheap it is they don't want to tell you because you're going to be like oh wait a minute and cost me like you know two dollars per rare on arena and then i built this deck that has you know 40 rares in it like wow that's like an 80 dollar digital deck um they don't want you thinking about that because mm -hmm. uh <laughs> you know that's well, they, they think you're going to think it's too high. They don't want you to think about it, and you also don't want to think about that, uh, just for yeah, your, sure. your own well-being. <laughs> um, we'll, and we'll get into a little bit of, of like building decks and like the rares and all the stuff that go into it. But um, I want to talk about the next resource, which is one of the ones that's a bit more abundant, which is gold. Um, most mm -hmm. games have some sort of gold. There's gold and gems, basically. And so uh, gold is the free resource that they give you, and then gems kind of represent real money. But uh, so with gold, it's something that we get, uh, you get more of it every day. There are daily rewards uh, that you can get either uh, 500 gold quests is what they're called or 750 quests. And uh, you can re-roll one of them every day. Uh, and so this is just a way for us to, to be able to continue playing and grind as a free-to-play grinder and get resources to then turn that into value, which will then give us fun. It's essentially, that's what the whole thing is about. Remember that it's about having fun. Um, yeah. And so yeah. being able to, and playing magic is the end goal. So don't forget about that when you're, if you're free to play and you're grinding, make sure that you're still having fun. Hey. Right. Like if grinding is fun, then hey, that's awesome. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you're always like, oh, I need to collect cards and then I can start having fun, like, I don't know about how you guys feel with the pace with which Watsi releases new products, but I feel like I w will never catch up. Uh, yes. So, um, and I play a lot. <laughs> so unless you plan, uh, if you're planning to, to play that game, uh, just make sure that, I mean, you either are playing a ton or you love grinding. A good thing to note, so I was saying gold is free, and gems, uh, well, sorry, gold is like time, and then gems is uh, what you can actually turn your real dollars into in the game. Mm -hmm. um, so a really good practice is whenever possible, 
take the gold that you have and do your best to convert it into gems. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but keep that in mind for now. But first, Jeff, what's our best gold tip for our daily quests? Quests. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a really important tip if you don't know it yet. So we always make sure we mention this. And it's it's like the easiest thing you can do that really increases your, like, how much gold you're going to make. And uh, that is very simple. If you ever have a quest that offers you 500 gold, you should re-roll it. So in Arena, you have two types of quests. Some of them will offer you 500 gold as a reward, and some of them will offer you 750 gold as a reward. And when you're newer, it can be tempting to say, oh, the 750 one is harder. I have to kill 40 creatures instead of 20, and it's not twice as much or whatever. But the main stop on quests is not your ability to complete them. It's literally just you only get one extra one per day. And so you always just want to take the 750 gold. You just want to take the more gold that they're offering you. Um, because, again, you're not, you're not going to be... These quests are easy, even the 750 one. But you'll just complete them by playing. Um, and maybe with a little, oh, I have to play a red deck today because my quest is red or whatever. But always just make sure that... Uh, you're getting as much gold as you can yeah. from those quests. And the other thing with this is that you can hold three quests at a time. So mm -hmm. um, there's no reason why you just shouldn't re-roll and hope to get 750 for all of your quests if you ever have three 750s at the same time. But as Jeff was saying, just playing the game, you will complete them somehow. Like, um, it, it won't really be that difficult. You can build decks to try to just, like, you know, grind them out really quickly. Um I don't think that that's really fun, personally, but uh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, but And when we say we're really intense about re-rolling, Jeff, how intense are we about re-rolling quests? What are the things you will do? Like, I will be at 29 out of 30 creatures killed for a 500 gold quest and re-roll it to try to hit 750. Yes. <laughs> like, just don't even think about it. I just re-roll it. Sometimes I actually re-roll the one I'm closest to because I know I'm not going to complete another one, I'll get another chance at re-rolling the other one. But if I complete this one, I'm only getting 500, um, if that makes sense to people. But like, basically, yeah, it's, it's really easy to get focused early on on that progress. Be like, oh, you know, I'm so close to this one, or um, this one looks harder than that one, I should take the sure thing. Trust me, you'll get them done. If you want to get them done, you can get them done. Uh, and you probably just will naturally. So always just make sure you're taking 750 instead of just 500. That's yeah. a big difference. It is a big difference. It's a yeah. it's a huge difference. So um, as long uh, also with that with the daily quest, there are like weekly uh, win rewards, which are also great. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of different things. They're like I don't know a lot of different stuff. Uh, those also help you with your gold intake. But um, gems. All right, let's get down to it. Gems are the real deal. This is the stuff that you want lots of these things because, hey, it's like real money. This is when you go to the store and you're going to put in your credit card information and you're going to get some sort of resource out of it. It's going to be gems. Basically, always gems. Yeah, exactly. It's like arena dollars kind of. <laughs> yeah, um, which is why we're saying you want your gold that you get to be turned into gems. So every event that you play try to pay in gold and then get gems out of it. It's a really great way to feel very good about yourself um, and also feel like you're scamming the system a little bit when you're really not, but um, 
<laughs> that's uh, that's how it's kind of built, and that's how you should try to play it. Um, with this, uh, there are a couple things with uh, buying gems if you're going to buy them. Um, so first off, it's a really good tip that if you're going to spend money on the game, you should try to do it the least amount of times as possible. Uh, Watsi wants you to be very comfortable pushing the button to buy more gems. They want you to mm -hmm. drink a couple beers in the night, get a little tipsy, <laughs> lose a, a draft, and then say, ah, oh, I'm all out of gems, but I want to draft again. Ah, I'll just buy, I'll put 20 more dollars in, get enough for a draft, and then uh, hopefully that'll be better. Um, you want to stay away from that as far as possible. When you do this, you want to have like <clears throat> kind of your limit for the month or the six months or the year or whatever you want and be like, all right, I'm going to put in this much money. I'm going to use these gems until they're out. And then I could reassess at that point whether I should get more or not with a clear mind. Um, trust me, I had a problem with this when I first started. So um, I know yeah. from experience. <laughs> yeah, and it's another pretty common thing. But basically the idea is try to figure out, like, if you're going to spend $100, and I think everyone gets this part, if you're going to spend $100 and get you get 20,000 gems for that, if you buy the $20 deal five times, okay, you spend $100, but you get less gems. Mm -hmm. It's not scaled that way, right? Like, they want you to spend more money so they give you a better deal at the bigger, uh, bigger $100 purchase than the $20 purchase. I think everyone's familiar with that. Mm -hmm. But the easy thing to fall into is like, oh, just $20 more, just $20 more. Um, this will be the last one. Try to be honest with yourself and sit down like, am I going to spend $100? Because you really do save a lot of money if you just buy the $100 deal. And this isn't even like a you know time value of money thing. $20 today is worth more than $20 tomorrow. It's just like they give you more gems. So if you're going to spend $100, spend $100. Mm -hmm. That's right. And then uh, you'll stay away from it for quite a long time. Um, mm -hmm. Like... It has been quite a while since I've actually had to go in on that deal. And that's the only gem deal that I buy. So um, also the, the thing that helped me a lot was uh, if you play Paper Magic, which I'm, you probably do um, or have at least in your life, uh, when you go into a LGS, your local game store, how much money you're spending on paper product. And if it's close to 100 every time you walk in, you know, you could just take one of those trips and turn it into like oh, arena for six months. Sometimes it depends. But um, if you start to think of it that way a little bit, it, it will help you uh, quite a bit more. At least it helped me. That's so that's why I'm importing that to you. Yeah, totally. It's, it's a huge psychology thing, right? And that's, you know, again, this is how the free to play system kind of works. Um, but it's really, really Basically, what we're saying is it's really easy to fall into that, oh, $20 at a time thing. Mm -hmm. And and there's nothing, like we said, there's nothing wrong with wanting to spend money. But they know that there is, people will sort of have that natural stigma floating around. And so they'll say, oh, just $20, this is the last time. I won't do it again because, it, you know, it's a free-to-play game. I shouldn't do it. Yeah. And it's like, this is where, you know, answering question one about... Am I going to spend money or time to do this? How much do I want to allocate to this? And sticking to that goes a long way because, like we said, we don't have any issues with people spending $100 to get a bunch of gems in this game. 
But if you're going to do that, make sure you're spending $100 on 18,000 gems, not $100 on 15,000 gems or, mm-hmm. or whatever. The, I don't even know what the $20 deal is. I just know I, it's yeah, worse. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember how much it is. Um, I think it's like 34 or something like that. Um, 3,400, yeah. Something, something. It's like two drafts and a bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah. So, just kind of think about those things. Um, it also, you know, they prey on the gambler in us. You know, all of us have magic players have a bit of a gambler in us uh, just because we are really attracted to booster packs that it could be anything. <gasps> What's inside the mystery mm-hmm. box? Oh, it could even be a boat. You know, that whole thing. Um, we are really... Uh, it, it can pray. Some people have it worse than others. Um, I have it probably worse than Jeff, I think. Um, but uh, but they they do know that that's something, and so this is one of their ways to get you to to kind of keep going. To think like, oh, if I do one more event, I can get enough stuff to get back on track. Um, so just don't don't let them do that to you. Uh, and uh, the last resource that's in the game. Uh, that we're really going to talk about that people don't always, but it's obvious. It seems ob- it's obvious. It's the end goal, basically, is uh, cards. Cards in the game. Um, and the great thing about Arena is that when you get cards, uh, they're there forever. You have them always. Even if they're banned, you still have them. Uh, and you might even get some compensation for that. But uh, it's not like paper where the value of the cards go up and down. And right. uh, you can't resell them. You just have them. Uh, so if you ever have trouble trading with people or selling your cards, you just like collecting them. It's great. You never have to part with them ever. Yeah. And like sometimes they'll invent a new format years later that lets you play the card that they banned. And then, you know, you're up a few wild cards in that, in that exchange. So it's true. There you go. Um, yeah. And I think this is one of like Arena's... You know, people love to hate on, on everything, especially the arena economy, how expensive it is and all that. But this is one of the strengths is the thing that you mentioned that all cards are worth the same. All rares are worth the same. All mythics are worth the same. And they don't increase or decrease in value. You know, this isn't like a stock market where you have to try to make good picks when the set comes out and buy the cheap rares and then hope that they blow up and are as good as you thought. Which, you know, paper magic has a bit of that going on like you you have those people um and and so does uh, the other client magic online arena's not like that if if bone crusher giants the best card everyone can have four bone crusher giants and you know, like it doesn't that. doesn't break the bank it's just four rare wild cards just like anything else would be exactly um so if you're a player who has always kind of hoped that they could play the quote-unquote best deck in the format if you never played a rotating format because you were worried about the investment um if you just couldn't ever get all the shock lands that you needed to play whatever format to explore or sorry pioneer or anything um they all cost the same you know the junk rare and the the best rare in the set exactly the same and uh it's given me the opportunity without arena i would never have played the best deck in the format and uh turns out you know i always just told myself oh it's not really for me um i don't like playing the best i don't like playing those i want to build my own (laughs) thing because that's my favorite and that is great there's a lot of joy in building your decks um but i found so much joy in playing the best ones that other people built and i didn't know that about myself until i had the opportunity yeah it's like a coping mechanism right Mm -hmm. no i choose to play janky decks because it's fun it's and like, it's better it is fun it is yeah it is fun and there's like 
you know, there's a lot of uh, heart in that. And I do love that. And Jeff is a fantastic brewer. Uh, he can tell you <laughs> firsthand. But uh, the one thing that's a little sad, though, is that if you're the type of person who really loves taking the weird rare, the bulk rare that costs 25 cents or less that nobody wants yeah. and building a deck around it, um, unfortunately, that rare is also the same price as Bone Crusher Giant. So that's, that, <laughs> that is the toss-up. So you got to realize the decision you're making there. Although, you know, I, like you, I, this arena is the first time I was ever to play a t able to play a Tier 1 deck. You know, I just wasn't for in the you know, situation in my life where I could spend $500 on a standard deck and go to a tournament. And, uh, and so, you know, I would build my janky decks. But by the end, you know of when I was playing paper, it was starting to become true that I couldn't do that either because generally those type of cards I loved were powerful rares that nobody else was playing, basically. And it turns out the commander community really loved those same cards that I was always <laughs> sort of after. You know, like I remember built a deck with um, Elena the Dusk Rose, something like that. Uh, and then when I went to, like, go buy the deck, that card was <laughs> just, like, $50 or something. And I was like, wait, what? The, I was, the whole point was that I avoided having any individual cards that were worth $50 other than maybe lands in my deck. And the, that, that sort of a theme that became recurrent was the commander. The, the janky cards that I liked were also <laughs> popular commander cards. So uh, I couldn't even, like, get a cheap uh, brew-your-own-deck anymore in paper. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I play Arena and then proxy everything else. Um, <laughs> so yeah, those are just some things with cards. Uh, the thing I really want to bring up with it is that um, in the game, you get rewarded with a bunch of different things. Um, they almost never reward you with wild cards, but you will get gold and gems. And something that you get rewarded often are individual card rewards, which is um, ICRs. Now, these will be rewards for um, free events a lot of the time. They're random things you get for wins throughout the week, all that stuff. Um, these are not necessarily rewards you should fight for or, or uh, think of very highly. If uh, an event gives you individual card rewards, it's usually not a very good event. Uh, just because the thing in Arena is that um, when you're opening packs and you open, you're about to open your, or sorry, you open your fourth copy of a rare or mythic, um, you will never open that card again. There are protections in the game that make it so you can't get duplicates of rares because there's nothing you can do with them. If you get a duplicate of a rare, uh, when you've already had four copies, you can't sell it like you would in Paper Magic. Um, the ICRs are not duplicate protected. They are working to fix that, but um, you will get rewarded with cards you already have four copies of, um, which can be really sad when you spent a lot of time and energy and maybe even wild cards building a deck for an event, uh, and then you, you know, don't even get the uh, the rewards back. So uh, just look out for that. Um, but also, you know, most of the time it's just not necessarily worth it. A random rare is it really worth as much as um, working towards getting? Uh, more gems to be able to continue playing uh it's up right. to you but uh they're kind of nice i would never yeah i would never choose an event because it has these like i know this is something that 
especially newer players or people not super familiar with Arena, this is very enticing, right? Oh, you get a card. That's great. That's the point of the game is to build your collection and get a card. I treat these as virtually worthless if I'm seeing them in like the, the rewards Basically. of, uh, you know, whatever. And you'll, you'll tend to see that it's a lot of cheaper and newer events that have these as the rewards. Um, and so that should tell you a little something about Watsy knows that they're also kind of worthless as well. It's like a one card pack without all of the additional benefits you get from packs, like you're saying duplicate protection and also uh, building your wild card um, wheel your your wheel of wild cards and like the commons and a lot of people say oh the commons and commons i get from packs don't matter to me because i i have so many uncommon wild cards um and so a pack is just a rare and it's like well the commons and uncommons in the pack also build your vault progress and so push you even more towards uh wild cards so basically the the single card icr uh, is missing out on all of the things that make a pack about, you know, we'll talk about how packs don't actually have that much value, but the things that are valuable in a pack aren't actually with the ICR. So, uh, yes, I, I basically ignore these when I'm looking at a decision of whether I want to play an event or not. It, it doesn't factor into that. Decision. Exactly. Yeah. Which is good. We will talk more about the wildcard wheel and more about the vault in a little bit. Um, but right before we go to our beer break, I know we're getting kind of low on this, uh, little thrills, German pills. Um, <laughs> I just yeah. have to say, it's so fun to say, I don't know why we didn't say it more. Um, this uh, German Pilsner known as little thrills. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just a couple things. These are things that I think are fairly important. We both do. Um, if you're going to play Arena to collect every card from every set, four copies of everything, that is going to be extremely expensive monetarily. It isn't really viable for free-to-play to get every single card. And um, you're just going to have to be ready to pay a ton of money and way more than you feel is necessary. Um, it's okay if you want to do that. Um, but it's fairly unreasonable to expect that that is something that you should get from the game. Um, so just drill that into your mind uh, so that you don't continue to keep telling yourself that you should be able to because you shouldn't. It's a if you, if you, someone came up to me in paper and said, I should from every set get four copies of every single card in every single different type or treatment, I would probably, I don't know roll my eyes and walk away. I just, you just seem like a, it's a fairy land that you're living in with all the different, right. it's like, geez, what, what are you, what else are you doing? Like you must be fighting and looking for cards constantly because there is just no way you can do anything else. Um, so yeah. And I, you know, there are, what can be really great about arena is that you will start to learn which types of cards or decks or archetypes that you gravitate towards more or even colors. And uh, so having all of those cards, which are your favorite for those different archetypes, totally doable, very simple. Um, but having every single card from every single set to play any random deck or brew that you may possibly want to do um, is a bit far-fetched. So just kind of try to instill it a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a huge point for Arena because like you said, Nobody would say that about paper. Mm -hmm. Oh, I should be easily able to obtain every single card in all of the copies that I need and play any tournament. For cheap. Nobody would say that. No. And the reason is, like, 
they understand that these cards have to be printed. There's a cost to that. You know, they have to, like, by being able to hold the cards, it makes that sort of tangible. Whereas when it's online, they're like, oh, it doesn't cost them anything to make a card. Um, or, like, giving me four copies doesn't cost them anything. They've already paid the people to program the card and all that. It costs us all up front. It's like, are you kidding? It costs them so much because people will pay for them. If they just give them away, they're missing literally all of that money that that they're making because people seek seek to get cards. Like that is the whole game they're selling. That's the experience they're selling. So um, whether you think that they should be more benevolent or not, it's not really the point. You're unless you're working as a, an analyst for them and trying to advise them on their next decision. The point is, you know, that's not a realistic expectation. They've made that pretty clear. So, you know, if, if your expectations aren't in line with reality, then it's your expectations that need to be adjusted. They're not just going to give you all the cards for a very low cost. They're not going to do that. That's true. Um, and I want to reiterate one more time. We are not necessarily, like, we're not trying to be on Watsi's side. It's not us versus them. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to lay out the reality of what things are so that your expectations are kind of set. Right. Oh yeah, there's somebody yelling right now being like, oh, but if they if they made the game cheaper, more people would play and they'd make more money in the end. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not an analyst that does <laughs> does the financials for Watsi. I can tell you that there is somebody who does it, and so you're disagreeing with them and they have all the data. That's up to you if you want to disagree with some business analyst who has all the data about whether they could make more money with a different system. Uh, but what I'm saying is like, you wouldn't, and I think Zach put it great, you wouldn't expect to collect all of every card in paper and be able to do whatever you want. And the arena economy has chosen a similar path where a big part of the experience is collecting. And so you also shouldn't expect to easily be able to acquire every card on arena either. Yeah. Um, so another tip that I they used to help me when I'm feeling down or things like this um, <laughs> is I try to remind myself that Arena is actually a cheaper and more accessible than Paper Magic. And uh, that's kind of how I try to view it. As opposed to Arena is more expensive than blank digital card game, H-Stone, right. or Legends of <laughs> mm, Terra, or whatever. Um, any... Anything like that, those tend to be conversations that aren't extremely helpful because at the end of the day, everyone kind of comes back to magic is the best. It's my favorite game. I want to play that as opposed to a card game. So um, of the different ways I can play magic, this is one that's very accessible and cheap for me. That's why I like it a lot. And I can play right. lots of stuff. I like it. I can sit at home and drink my own beer. It's great. <laughs> And again, think about why you want that to be true. You're like, oh, magic should be as cheap as this other game. Why do you want that? Because you think magic is a better game and you would prefer to spend your money on magic rather than that other game. And so that kind of means they should charge you more. <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah, if the these, better game is yeah. going to be more expensive. If the other games were the de facto best ones and people were fighting for that, they would probably raise the prices. Um, they just need to make sure people keep playing and don't go to magic. Um, great. Uh, Jeff, 
I'm all out of beer and I'm ready for another one before we get into some more, uh, maybe more lighthearted tips and tricks. Um, we wanted to <laughs> full, like hit you full front with like the reality of some things and some big hard hitting questions. These are going to be a lot more, um, uh, helpful tips and things, uh, if you're just getting started, but, uh, it's good to know all this other stuff too. Uh, anyway. Yeah. The plan is to sort of set expectations, give you the basic tips, and now maybe the good news is that, hey, you can be a free-to-play player if that's what you want. Or if you don't mind spending a bit of money, you can. There are ways you can optimize uh, how much you're making off the free-to-play economy, too. So we'll have lots of tips for that kind of thing after the break. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener. But if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon is the best way to do that. And tonight we're giving you some tips about Arena, but if you want to give us some tips, the Patreon is the best place. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to give us a couple tips. But Jeff, if they want to talk to us, where should they go? They should join our Discord server. This is where you can ask us any questions you have about the show. You can chat about anything magic related. We share deck lists. We talk about bad beats, make each other feel better. It's great. Or if you just want to chat about random stuff, whether that's beer, magic, or anything. So if you want to find that, you can find it on Discord. It's Arena Regulars. Or go to our Twitter, at Arena Regulars. There's a pinned message with a link right there. What have you brought uh, for us, Sack from Grain and Grit? Yeah, so I thought I'd bring something else. Not something too crazy, but, you know, just getting a little bit of their, their vibe. They seem to have a pretty solid... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Some some nice styles here at the beginning. Uh, so this is Orange Crush. It's their session IPA with tangerine. It's got a picture of a lady with tangerines for eyes, basically. Um, that sounds horrifying. The can is not horrifying. <laughs> Go check out our Instagram. It's uh, it's not, I swear. Um, I do want to say I'm really happy. I was excited that they said Orange Crush. Um, yes, that is the name of a soda. But what I really think that they're talking about is the Broncos defense. Their nickname is Orange Crush. So, um, yeah. So not only do we talk about magic, but we also say things about football sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure they're actually uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats fans, of course. Oh, God. Yeah, probably. Jeez. <laughs> That's the CFL, if anyone is unfamiliar. Uh, yeah, we actually have our own football league here in Canada. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that. There are, what, nine teams? <laughs> <laughs> and two of them had the same I, name for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think there were more than that too. Like I remember Ottawa was the Rough Riders at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're like the Red Blacks or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, cheers for the new beer, and uh, let's see, you know, which one's better this evening. Yeah. Real quick, I want to shout out uh, the design team over mm-hmm. at Grain and Grit. I love these like really simple cans. Like the can design is just white and then underneath is a color and then plainly name of the beer, what it is, easy to read font and then like a kind of cartoony, cool little lo- logo-ish type thing for each beer. That's it. That's the can. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the can looks like it, it belongs on like an all oak shelf with little peg legs uh, with a Monstera plant on the side and there's a record player next to it. That's basically what you're thinking in your mind. Um, totally, yeah. It, it's a very nice style that I enjoy a lot. Um, it's basically the opposite of flying monkeys. 
Um, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly the opposite. It's like minimalist, but it doesn't look unprofessional. It doesn't look amateur or whatever. Yes, yeah. It's it looks... not like, oh, I just slapped a white label on and, and printed something because that's all I could yeah. do. I think they, they really nailed it, and the color choices are nice. Anyway, um, talking about colors. <laughs> uh, so basically... These are a couple different ways that you can engage with Arena, but some things to just remember. Um, and now bear with me. Some of them may seem extremely obvious again, um, but they aren't always. There are there. We have talked to many new players, and some of these things do kind of slide past them. Um, one of the main things is, you know, when you start the game and you have the color challenges and you have to play through the different Planeswalker things. Um, yeah, you should complete those. Play all of it. Do do the whole thing. Uh, not only are they fun little puzzle games, um, which you can kind of get through, but what's really important is that you actually unlock decks through doing those things. And there's a certain point where you can stop playing the color challenges and just play Arena. Keep playing the color challenges until you finish it because they unlock 15 decks. And those decks have cards in them that are actually useful. Yeah, I remember when I started with this because... You know, Magic's sort of in that interesting space where a lot of people who started on Arena will have played the game for years, right? So sometimes it's like, oh, you're playing this really... I mean, let's be honest, compared to what you've been playing, it's probably like a pretty bad deck. And you're playing against like computers that don't always make super logical moves and stuff. So my instinct was to just skip all that as quickly as possible and, and let's start playing against real players. Um, but it doesn't take that long to complete these... Uh, if you aren't like a magic veteran or pro, you know, it, it's really good at teaching you how the game works and the rules. And even if you have been played for a while, you know, this will teach you how arena works. Like just playing some games on arena so that, you know, you don't lose because you, you, you didn't know how arena, like you played the wrong thing by accident or you let the timer run out. Like it'll just get you adapted to the, the UI. And so I think just for those reasons, it's worth it. But then especially, like you mentioned, you actually get a really good head start on your collection when you finish these. Uh, so you'll be hamstringed for a while if you try to just like duck out at the first possible exit opportunity um, where you'll get like you'll get some not decks that you'll play forever, but they're real. They're decks and they contain real cards in them. Like, there are some good cards in yeah. these decks. They do a pretty good job of... Um, there are 10 different two-color paired decks. And each of those, every year, they've always done this. So, basically, rotation is in September. So, that means there's new standard... Uh, 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 basically, a new standard format. And they mm -hmm. get rid of the the la the oldest year and keep the last year. And then whatever's coming out this during that year. Wow, that was a really convoluted way of explaining that. Um, I'm sure it can yeah. be done better. But basically, you get these every year, and there'll be new ones constantly. So, um, and uh, there are rare dual lands, which are actually really important uh, for your collection. Um, one of the biggest pain points for your wild cards early on is your mana base. And so, um, these decks being able to give you one dual lands that you can actually use super helpful. That's a real one that's in real deck lists that you can find online that are played in tournaments. You will have pieces of it um not only that mm -hmm. they do a good job of giving you real great cards like back when bone crusher was in standard they gave you bone crusher you know they gave you goldspan right. dragon and now i think i actually don't know a good example for what they have right now but um yeah 
could still be a gold span, right? Mm -hmm. It's still technically a standard legal. Anyway, just don't skip past these, even though it, you know, at the time may feel like a little bit beneath you. Take it as like a, um, hey, if you haven't downloaded it on your phone yet, download Arena, set it up, play them on your phone, practice playing. It's really low stakes. Um, have a good time, lay on your couch, drink a beer. It's yeah. It's actually a really good suggestion because it probably will not be a hundred percent functional on your phone. No matter what kind of phone you have, there's probably some weird error with Arena that uh, is will be good to know about. So that's true. Um, uh, I know mine has like a, a bit of a dead zone. There's an area where like I don't know for whatever when Arena's there, I can't interact with it. Luckily, it's uh, where the pets are, so it doesn't impact anything. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe they've changed that since. But, you know, like, you don't know that type of stuff. And, and it's better to figure that out against a bot playing blue versus black or whatever than, you know, a, a game that you have more emotional attachment to. Exactly. Um, yeah. Another thing that's great. Jeff, you had mentioned this before. It's one of the things that you do in every free-to-play game. If you start, or sorry, a free-to-play game that you actually like, you get this thing. Yeah. So what is that in Arena? <laughs> So this is the new player bundle. Um, I haven't checked recently because I bought it, so it's no longer in my store. But at the time, it was like $5. And they gave you a whole bunch of stuff. So they gave you some gems. I think they even gave you like an avatar and uh, maybe a card back. Um, I don't totally remember, but essentially, even just the gems they gave you was a way better deal uh, per dollar like gem ratio than like the hundred dollars for uh, 20,000 gems is yeah. like it's the best deal in the whole store on a dollar per gem ratio yeah so it's um i'm pretty sure it's 2500 gems and five packs um and then i i think you also get like uh they they rotate through which um avatar and, and card back it is um but it's right it's really Fantastic. It's like if you would try to manufacture the really important things through other means, it'll cost like 20 or more dollars to do that. Um, so if you're going to buy anything, buy that. Because um, it's a really helpful jumpstart. And don't tell anyone, but you could, you, could, you could buy that and still say you're a free-to-play player. Like, you know, who, yeah. who knows? Who, who's going to know, right? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's up to you, of course. You want to be the true zero if that's like important to you that matters don't buy this but just know that this is way better this is like this actually is a really great deal relative to everything else um if you're saying it's yeah 2500 gems like it's set so good for five dollars yeah think about twenty thousand for a hundred bucks right mm -hmm. um so yeah definitely and like Zach's saying it's totally fine to say okay i'm gonna spend five dollars on this game that's it and those 2,500 gems will go a long way. So this is, if you're going to spend money, you're okay with spending some money. This is the thing to buy. Um, there might be some people, oh, it's like the new player. I'm not a, really a new player, just new to Arena, whatever. Like, don't let the name fool you. This is, this is the best deal. They want you to, like, get used to buying stuff. So they give you a really awesome deal. Um, to entice you to do that exactly it's their way of making you feel comfortable buying something and putting your credit card information in so that it can save it and then it makes it easier later um, it is a trick but yeah. it is actually worth getting 
Um, yeah, it's a trick you can take advantage of if you're, you know, you know you have the discipline to not just reload. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because yeah. um, if I could buy this bundle over and over again, I would. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing, right? It, you can only good, buy it once. Good, yeah, you can only buy it once. <laughs> um, another thing that's uh, really helpful is uh, net decking. So this is an idea. Uh, if you're not familiar with the term, uh, it's kind of known as derogatory, but it really isn't. Um, what It's just like finding a deck list online that someone else made and then copy-pasting it into Arena and then using that deck. Um, it got a bad rap back in the early days when, um, the internet wasn't as, uh, as big of a thing and deck lists weren't everywhere. And, uh, so it kind of seemed like your team had to come up with your deck for the tournament and surprise everyone. And that tended to be like a thing. And so if you just stole a deck offline, it was kind of filthy. Um, that right. is not the world we live in. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't try to keep yourself there. You may have learned that, you know, 14, 15 years ago whatever it's that's just not how things are um so don't feel bad about that immediately if you're returning get out of your head net decking can be very helpful also looking up decks can also be very helpful even if you're not going to take them completely but uh but just get get used to searching up deck lists yeah i think it's just so funny how this is still has that sort of negative connotation associated with it like my guess is you know similar to you it's oh if you're four friends who just have whatever cards and there's that one friend who gets his deck off the internet you can never beat him you know the only way to combat that is to call him a name uh, <laughs> <laughs> until they stop doing it um but in the modern era right like imagine if it was considered like really negative to look up a recipe online before you cook something like, come on everybody does that all the time and even stuff I know how to make, I'll often look up a recipe to see if, I, why, why make it the same way every single time? Maybe I could be doing something better and it's out there. Like, I don't know. It just, it seems like we're in an era now where it's so ridiculous to, to like shame people for looking something up on the internet. Yeah. It, uh, it's just insane to me. So, um, what can be really helpful with this is that, um, if you're learning how to brew decks, looking at other people's is really helpful. Very similar to a recipe. Um, mm -hmm. also if you're starting out, um, you have all these resources, you don't exactly know what you're doing. It's really helpful to have something to work towards. So if you have a deck list that you don't have the resources to actually make yet, um, it can be helpful to know which cards you're looking for, which ones you want to pick up in a draft, which ones that you hope to open in packs, things like that. Ones that you want to use your wild cards on having at least one deck that is part of the meta which is basically part of a tier system. You don't have to try to go for the top deck, but one of the ones that is viable, uh, usually in the, you know, the S tier one or two, pick one of those um, in like a non-rotating format. So Explorer can be hard to get into, but once you have your deck, you can keep playing it and it will be fairly viable. Um, that is a really good way to, to feel better because then if you're making a lot of, um, brews and things, you sometimes want to fall back on something. A lot of times what will happen for newer players is that they kind of see one archetype like uh, life gain and they get really excited by that. They spend a lot of wild cards on cards that help that deck. That deck ends up not being a real competitive deck in the whole meta. 
and uh, they get really discouraged because they blew all of their resources on a deck that doesn't uh, fight the big boys. I don't know. That sounds yeah. weird, but but yeah, basically, it, and then you feel like, oh, I put so much time and effort into this. I blew all the resources I had for this one deck that isn't any good. So instead, use them for a deck that uh, will stick around. Yeah, now you have a, don't have a bunch of Heliods in your collection, you know, mm-hmm. just gathering dust. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, that's that's a really good tip to just have in mind, like just the work towards something. And if you net deck, you can feel safer that your work isn't wasted. Like sometimes cards look really great and they just aren't, or they there isn't the support around them. Like, you know, we all know magic cards aren't evaluated in a vacuum. Something that is a great card in one metagame is not a great card in another. So um, if you can make these sort of goals of, oh, look, there's, here's this mono red deck that I know is good, it doesn't use that many Mythic Rare Wild cards, doesn't use that many Rare Wild cards compared to the competition. I can get up and playing, uh, you know, Explorer as soon as possible. And you have this, um, we need to come up with a term for this basically, but like in Magic sometimes when you're brewing, and I know anyone who's like built a brand new deck can... Uh, can attest to this sometimes it's hard to know if you're losing because the deck is bad or because you are bad with the deck right so like is is this deck just hopeless or if i play it more will my win rate go up because i'll be more comfortable with the interactions and the answer is like both are usually true you know like mm-hmm. your first pass at a deck is probably it's it's max win rate is probably like whatever 55 or something and you're playing it right now to 45 and like, you know, so do you even want to invest the time in that? But with, um, you take one of those questions out of the equation when you take a deck that people have told you is good, then, you know, if I get good at playing this deck, then I'll, I'll be able to compete. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good, uh, point to bring up. Um, we've talked about this before, uh, but there, there does tend to be, uh, a feeling in magic that um, for whatever reason, kind of at a, like a early to mid um, realm of like understanding how the game works, people tend to think that uh, their deck is the only thing that, that decides who wins, like the cards that they draw, so the variance in that way, or the matchup. Um, and don't always look internally to think, could I have done this better? Could I be a better player? How could I have um, dealt with that situation a little bit differently? Um, it makes it a lot easier when you're using a proven deck that someone won a tournament with to be able to be like, all right, well, I know it's not the deck's fault, like you said, so I have to yeah. work on my thing. <laughs> so that's another good question to ask yourself. Do you want to work at being a better Magic player? Because if you don't, that's also fine. Play whatever sure. you want. Yeah. Do do what you're doing. Um, but if you are interested in that, um, there are steps that you can take to try to get a little bit better. Um, and uh, that's coming from a player who's uh, myself... Not extremely good. Um, <laughs> like, I have done minimal things to try to make myself a lot better. There are certain things I really enjoy doing, um, but uh, I'm not uh, any world-class Magic player. So, uh, And I know that through playing and realizing I'm not a world-class Magic player. You know, <laughs> like, that's, that's okay. And I think one other just quick point about net decking, too, is, like, a lot of people say, oh, I love mid-range 
church or whatever. And a lot of the time I find they just haven't played other stuff, you know, because maybe they just don't know how to build a mono red aggro deck. And then someone else builds it for them, they play it, and they're like, oh, actually, this is fun too. Like, the way to explore and try different archetypes, which is what magic's all about, is a lot of the time going to start with net decking. Like, you're not going to build the optimal version of a brand new deck that you never play because you don't understand the subtleties of it. And so, you know, maybe you think that you love one style of play and then you learn that you actually like this other style of play also. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, so maybe you find out that, and I'm really sorry if this is the case, but maybe you find out that you just love playing auras and there's <laughs> nothing you can do about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's a to get me because that was one of my first and favorite decks on Arena. So, um, <laughs> and it still is very close to my heart. And, uh, you know, coming into Arena, I was thinking that I might even be like a control player. Crazy to think about, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and I used to say those things like, oh, yeah, I really like control and stuff. Uh, and Azori's control always seemed so cool. Um, because when I was a kid, my best friend played Mono Red Aggro. So I always thought, whatever is the biggest enemy. Uh, is perfect for me. Turns out I really like aggressive decks a lot and I should have been playing them the whole time and I was just keeping myself from doing that and I don't know why. Uh, so yeah, you never know what's going to happen um, as you kind of evolve as a, as a player and, and just a person. So there are two random tips with this kind of thing. So get, pick your deck list and just have it in your deck area and slowly over time, you might be getting cards for it. Or maybe you'll look at it a bunch of times and realize, you know what's the thing where you um, go to a store over and over again to the one item that you really want? And after like the third time you go, you're like, actually, I don't really want this anymore. And then you don't even buy it. Um, this can also help you. If you put it into Arena and you have it and you're looking at it and you spend a couple of days coming back to it to look at it, you might be like, you know what? Actually, it doesn't really seem that fun. Um, so it's just kind of a good practice as well without spending all your wild cards on it. But I have two things to say about this. The, the first one, um, pick a monocolored deck because that way you don't have to waste any, waste any of your wild cards on your mana base. Um, so see which ones you, you find most interesting. We just talked about Modern Red Aggro. Uh, in Explorer, you could do blue or green maybe. Um, but then my second, my second tip, Jeff, what's the, the second tip? Uh, I think it's going to be to save your wild cards for lands. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> these are obviously extremely contradicting things. But um, if you're interested in playing some of the more, um, the non-rotating formats, which can be very rewarding, um, the mana base is going to be the thing that holds you back most of the time. So... Um, if you do play a monocolor deck, you're usually not putting a lot of resources into your mana base, um, which makes you, you might get up and running a little bit faster, but in the long run, you won't always, you know, if every time you look at a deck list, it's like, oh, it's, there aren't that many like mythics and, and rares in the, in the deck list. It's fine. Then you look at it in arena, you're like, oh, I need all of the lands. And that's like four temple gardens, four hallowed fountains. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. Uh, so that's a lot of shocks. I don't have any of those. So I guess I'll, you know, use different mana bases and then your deck ends up not being great because your mana base isn't strong. Um, so that's a good decision to, 
to decide. I spent a lot of time holding every single wild card I ever got until I had four copies of every Shockland and Checkland. Um, you can be a little bit less boring than me. I was a bit boring, but I'm really happy I did that. So, yeah, I actually think these are pretty complimentary tips, right? Like one option. Okay. Get your competitive monocolored deck, build that right away. And then that lets you, now you have a deck that you can play in a format and can actually compete. Now it lets you save your wild cards for I guess. the next step instead of sort of constantly shifting. So I often recommend people just build mono red. A few reasons. Mono red's almost always good uh, in Explorer right now. Totally fine deck to be playing. Um, but another thing I think is funny is one of the difficulties of the save your wild cards for your lands tip is that because it's not... Ex lands aren't like cards that explicitly win you the game. It's only like they secretly lose you the game, and you don't always know that. Mm -hmm. Like, your bad land secretly lost you the game, but it didn't make a big show of it. It wasn't like, hey... I mean, sometimes, you know, I needed an untapped land, and I drew this tapped one, and uh, dang. But usually it's like, oh, on turn two I had a tapped land, and the whole game would have played out differently if I didn't, and that can be really difficult to recognize. So I, I guarantee you there are people listening right now being like, no, like... I'll just play with budget lands and I'll spend my rares on like the actual cards that matter. No, I'm telling you, the cards that matter first and foremost are the lands. And if you play mono red, I think you will understand that because when your opponent plays a tap land on turn one or two, you'll feel like you just won the game. And a lot of the time you will have. <laughs> so it's kind of such an interesting thing, but let's say you're playing Explorer. You want to play... The best deck currently is red-black. You know, whenever you're listening to this, that may, may not be true. But right now, it is. It's pretty close, and I think if I had to choose, I would choose the lands. But it's pretty close whether you're going to lose more games by replacing uh, Blood Crypt with Bloodfell Caves, or are you going to lose more games replacing Thoughtseize with Duress? I actually think you're probably going to lose more games with the land swap, than with the Thoughtseize for Duress swap. And Thoughtseize is a much better card than Duress. But if your mana base doesn't work, the red-black deck is just going to... Like, the whole point is efficiently trading cards one for one, and you're going to be a step behind. So you'll never win. Because your Bloodfell Caves sucks. <laughs> so, just trust us. You want the good lands, and you can swap out... Unless, like, the whole deck is built around a specific rare... Most rares can be swapped out for something that is not as good, but it's not as damaging as playing terrible lands. Yeah. Um, Mono Red is also a great deck to start building because um, you will be getting some cards that port over into the best deck, Rakdos. And there are versions of Mono Red that are still win and are very viable that play a, more commons and uncommons and not all the rare one-drops. Um, yeah. Um, and... This is also huge. When you sort of decide to move on to other decks, you won't be a mono-red whiner. That's true. <laughs> that's really important. You know, we need fewer mono-red whiners out there. Yeah. Um, that's one of our philosophies is just to play... I mean, I bitch about control a lot because um, Teferi is not my f favorite person. Um, but playing that deck and having the resources to actually play those top decks... Um, 
make you realize how difficult it is to be that player and that um, there are weaknesses to it as well. As you're playing, you yeah. realize which cards you hope not to see or which cards you do hope to see. And then it will also yeah. inform you uh, yourself in whichever matchups you're playing. So um, really good uh, food of thought there and little things. Before we keep going, um, there will be a lot of resources uh, as far as websites in the show notes. But Jeff, do you want to quickly just talk about some of the ones that you look at regularly? If you, if you someone's like, hey, find a deck list uh, for Explorer that uses this card or whatever, where are you going? Yeah, my go-to is just Play Explorer. Um, or Playing. It's Playing Explorer, playing right? Explorer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they had Playing Pioneer. Pioneer, for those who don't know, is like a different format that's paper and on magic online and explore format on arena is again at this time fairly recent and is meant to sort of coalesce with the pioneer format at some point and so the people who ran playing pioneer started playing explorer and it's just a great resource because it'll have a tier list it'll tell you what these players who run this website think the best decks are and they'll, it'll be organized into tiers, like the absolute best of the best. Okay, really good, but not the best. Okay, pretty good, but not as good as the others. And they take into account not only, you know, how strong the deck is, but also just how much it's being played on Arena. So you, the decks that are high up sometimes are just really, like, everyone's playing them. And that's really good to know about yourself because you know you're going to play against that deck a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really great resource. You click on any of the decks, it'll have a full list for you, best of one or best of three, whichever one you prefer. Um, I personally prefer best of three, but I know people love best of one as well. And it'll have a little, uh, for the more popular decks, You know, some of the fringe decks won't have a write-up, but the popular decks will have a little write-up that sort of explains the deck's overall strategy and any substitutions you might want to make. So mm-hmm. um, there's not really much more you can ask for. It's it's really awesome. Um, they're also very closely aligned with MTG Arena Zone. Uh, I think on it's like mtgazone.com or something. Um, you can look that up. They have, uh, I think, a partnership with them. Uh, and they do a bunch of other formats as well besides just Explorer. Uh, and articles on like midweek magics and a bunch of things like that. Um, also, Untapped untapped.gg that is a great resource that uh, you actually have um, they have these things that will track what's happening in your specific arena account and then you can basically hook it up, you use it, it knows what your collection is, it knows your win rates it can give you a lot of cool information about that um, as well as deck lists and what people are playing, all those kinds of things Um, and then if you want to get into more competitive things, Jeff, the best website if you want to play a tournament yeah, so the best tournament website mm-hmm. is MTG Melee. Yeah. Um, um, and that is a great resource if you're looking for a deck list that won a tournament recently. If you want the newest, best, closest stuff, you can go through there. And if you want to play a tournament, um, they're really friendly and uh, very helpful. And a lot of those are can be kind of small and just fun. And you might realize that you actually like playing in tournaments, where maybe in the past you might have shied away from it because it seemed a little intimidating yeah i've i've loved playing tournaments on that uh client everything works really well and uh it's so great for deck lists if you know like a tournament just happened and it won you could just import it into arena 
and uh, that tends to influence the decks people are playing quite a bit mm-hmm. too. So it's uh, not as explicit as playing uh, Explorer, uh, but it'll have it'll have decks lists for all formats. And uh, usually, if I see a big tournament which is won by you know let's we've been talking about mono red, let's say mono red, then I expect to run into a lot of mono red on the meta, on the ladders, excuse me, and in events. And uh, you can bet they're playing the list that you're looking at. So you can actually open up that deck list and try to maybe figure out what, what's in their deck from that. So uh, a hey. little tip there. little tip there. <laughs> um, and the last website we'll probably talk about is, uh, if you like drafting a lot, um, 17 lands. That's a great resource. Uh, it's another one of those things that uh, hooks onto your arena account, sees what you do when you're drafting, uh, can tell you all the different picks that you had and all the cards you saw. And then it has a huge database of every person that uses that and can tell you the quote-unquote best commons and uncommons and rares and all that stuff and win rates. And there's a lot, a lot of data gathered in that. It can be very complicated and really dense, um, but also interesting if you're if you're into those numbers and things yeah it's really cool let's just give the you know the typical warning if you're not a data scientist or a statistician or whatever uh if you don't understand exactly how to work with data um just don't take it too seriously if you see a card Mm -hmm. has a really high win rate understand there are biases involved there are certain things you should take that as okay maybe this card is better than i thought versus I will win eighty percent of the time if I take this card. Um, you know, like yeah, don't it's, don't take it too too literally. Um, it's just a useful tool if you if it doesn't line up with how you see things. Which, by the way, never will. I've been on seventeen lands so many times, being like, "Wait, that card is good," um, but it gives you that heads up that hey, you know, this card is good, and that knowledge that information is out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, all right, this is a lot of. A lot of stuff. Uh, check out all those links uh, down below. Um, they'll be super helpful. Just put a bookmark on your browser and look at them every once in a while. Super nice. Um, all right. I want to talk about the actual events that we play in Arena and how we engage with it the most to get the most value out of it. So the main thing uh, that people are looking for is trying to go infinite. Jeff, what does going infinite mean on Arena? Okay, so if you've heard the concept of going infinite, um, what this means is that basically you can keep playing the way you want to play without injecting more money into the game yourself. So whether that means you're totally free to play and never have to inject any money, or you have put in your $5 to buy the first entry fee or your $100 to get the first thing, the idea is then that then from that, you were able to build something and now you can just play and by playing you build up enough rewards to keep playing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so usually it's referenced within a single event. Oh, I've spent 10 grand, 10,000 gold to get into this event. and I made 15,000 gold that helps me go infinite because uh, you actually played and went up in resources. Um, And so that's, if you hear people talking about it, that's really what they mean is they just get to play without having to invest more time or money doing stuff they don't want to do in order to get back to the stuff they do want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ways that we kind of do that is basically with uh, draft is one of the number one ways. So if if you've heard this before and if you don't like drafting or, or don't draft or don't really know a lot about it, um, the 
number one best way to build a collection is by drafting. This is how Arena has been built, and it is a surefire way to get the most cards for the least amount of resources. Um, a draft will be, uh, and when, when we're talking about this, we're always talking about uh, premier drafts. You can play quick drafts, which are half as the cost, but the, the prize support is um, significantly less in the sense that you have to get more wins in a quick draft to go infinite than you do in a premier draft. So that's why we always say do premier drafts. Um, these are best of one, which is what we prefer for, for draft events because again, the prize support is a lot better. Um, you basically, really, you need to win five. Uh, you have to go five and two or five, yeah, five and three, sorry. Yeah. Basically, you have to go five and three, but if you go four and three, it feels really good anyway um, because it costs uh, 10,000 gold or 1,500 gems to play a draft. And then when you go four and three, you get... What is it like? Fourteen hundred gems back. So it's, yeah, it's basically right. It's really really close. Right. So basically, it's the cutoff. Mm -hmm. If you go five, get five wins, you actually make gems. And uh, by the way, the payout is in gems, mm -hmm. and you are allowed to enter with gold. So Zach earlier referenced converting your gold to gems. This is what we're talking about. You enter with gold, and you get gems mm -hmm. paid out as a reward. Um, if you get five wins, you made more than your gems back if you get four you made less than the gems you spent to enter back but because you drafted cards we generally think of it as totally fine to get four wins mm -hmm. like you probably essentially actually came out a little ahead because the hundred gems that you sort of spent presumably you were able to make that back in the reward other rewards like packs and cards that you selected for your draft deck. Yes. Um, Which is really important. So we kind of think of it as a wash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the fact that you get to pick cards in your draft, obviously, but that means if you see cards that you want for the deck that you've already picked, take them. Uh, there's this notion that uh, it's called rare drafting, where you draft rares that aren't for your draft deck. They are for other decks and construct it. That's awesome. Do it. It's really cool. You're going to be a cool person if you do it, too. That's right. Um, sorry, that sounds sarcastic. It's not. Please do that. Um, because, well, Jeff, why? Why Why do we do that? Yeah, so we do that because um, basically what's the reason not to take the rare that's you're interested in for your collection? It's because, okay, there's a common or an uncommon in the pack that is better for the deck that you're drafting than this rare that you might not even be able to play. So you, in order to make that worth it, you have to get enough value out of taking the card you don't actually want for your collection um, so that you're going to do enough better in the draft to make up for that and in the long run. Now, you're only going to play a few games with this deck. That one card you took is only going to show up a fairly small percentage of the time, and then it also has to be enough better than the other card that would replace it uh you know the the card you take later in the draft that would replace it um to change the outcome of the game if you play enough drafts you realize that happens really infrequently like unless unless the card is an absolute powerhouse but like it's a common or uncommon so it, it's 
there it, there do exist uncommons that win the game on their own, but generally that's not even what we're talking about. We're just talking about a slightly more efficient removal spell. And you have to think, like, the situations where a more efficient removal spell are going to win you the game, where a less efficient one wouldn't, are rare enough that it's not worth getting the for sure the card you for sure want. Yeah. Because you're just gonna you're gonna get the same result in the draft. You're gonna get the three wins instead of the four or whatever. The times when you get the fourth win instead of being stuck at three are just so rare that 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 it matters. And the whole point, at least if you're drafting to build your collection, if you just love draft and your collection means nothing to you, then obviously you're not going to rare draft. But if you're up talk, if you even care a little about building your collection, you should be just taking the card you want, the surefire thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of goes back to the most important resource that you can get is wild cards. And if you're looking and staring at a card that you actually want and you know you need for a deck that you have sitting in your collection, box, deck, thing, whatever, it's basically a wild card then. Take it. Always right. take it. Uh, and this is why we do something at the beginning of every set. We make a no-pass list. So this is a list of all the rares and mythics that we want for decks we want to build. So when we're drafting, we have to be like, oh, well, there's a, a rare dual land. Well, I have to take the rare dual lands because I know I'm going to use them for some deck at some time. So why waste wild cards on them when I can just have them? And in draft, those go around a lot. And that's one of the number one things. It's like, hey, if you don't have that yet, snag it up. Take them. Feels good. And, I, you know, if you finish a draft and your deck's like, you know, maybe a, a four out of ten, but you had you basically got like three or four of the, the standard dual lands that you need, amazing. That was so successful. Like, pat on the back. Oh, bro. yeah. Good job. Oh, yeah. I, I always think of that as a win, like... You know, I recently with uh, um, New Capenna even, say, I think I had one draft where I only got three wins, or I managed to sneak it into to four, but even if I only got three, I think, I think I uh, pulled four Trilands in the draft. And I was just like, I would be happy even if this deck, like, bombed. Yeah. <laughs> like, Boom. You know, like... Like, that's, it's, it's, it's just like... That's what you're looking for anyway, you know? If you're, right. if you're tra- yeah, I was doing this to build my new Capenna collection, yeah. and the cards I wanted most were the, the Trilands. Yeah, so when we're saying rare drafting, we're not saying draft every rare that you see. That's not what we're talking about. Sure. We're talking about yeah. r- draft the rares that you want, and so that always starts with having a plan. So that's why we really talk about finding a deck list or building a deck list that you want. Um, that A thing that not every arena player knows is that if you're in the deck builder... Go to filters and click not collection or not collected or something. That will show you all the cards on Arena, um, even the ones you haven't collected. So you can build decks uh, without having all the cards yet, um, mm-hmm. just sitting there. That's a weird thing that it's it can be hard to find sometimes. So go look at that. Um, and another little tip, if you're in the draft and you're, you hit control or option or something, one of those buttons on your computer, just hit them until you see it. If you hold it down, it will show you how many cards are in your collection in that pack. So it'll be like, um, it'll be like, oh, the rare, you have two of four. And so you're like, oh, I don't have a playset yet, so I will pick it up. That way you don't accidentally pick up an extra tri-land or dual land that you already have four of. 
Um, and because who's going to remember all the cards in their collection? You don't have to do that. Just just hit control. All right. Um, perfect. So we are going a little bit long with this, um, but I'm happy that we're giving you the best things that you can. A couple things I want to quickly say is that um, another great thing about drafts is that the you get gems, but you also get packs. And packs are really important because when you open packs, it helps your wild card wheel. And that is, of course, the most important resource. Every six packs you open, you get a rare or mythic wild card. Fantastic. So opening packs to get cards through that and doing events that give you packs is really helpful because, obviously, wild cards are the best. And I just want to quickly talk about cosmetics because we didn't talk about it before. And it is another one of those resources that's not really a resource. It's just a reward. Um, Jeff, can you go on a mini rant about cosmetics for me? <laughs> um, I would say, I, I don't know. What I was going to say is if you love cosmetics, you can feel free to buy them. But um, I don't have a rant for you. I oh, guess. wow. I was really expecting. Okay, perfect. Um, I have one then. Um, cos we, okay. <laughs> as the arena regulars, think of cosmetics as basically uh, nothing. It's again like the individual card rewards. Um, they tend to be fairly low on the things we were looking for. If there are specific ones that you really want, that's awesome. Sometimes they're just fun to get and you will get random ones. Um, I don't like spending resources on them. I don't like going to the store and spending gems or gold on them. Unless there's something I really need like old border basics or something like that. I will actually spend resources on it, but necessary. But know which ones are important to you. Do you need the twenty-fifth pet that you've gotten, or something like it? How important is that, um, as opposed to playing more decks or getting more cards to play new decks? So, um, think about those things. But most of the time, cosmetics are. Though, flip side. The Mastery Pass, which is a thing that you get each new set comes out. There's a new Mastery Pass that has a bunch of different rewards, and it's a lot of cosmetics and a lot of pets and things. I actually really like that, because I like having a little thing to open every day or every couple days. Be like, oh, I opened a new thing. That's so nice. That makes I love finishing a match and then rewards popping up on the screen. It makes my enjoyment of the game go up so that's why i always invest in it because i think it's fun yeah i think that's why i think i'm pretty neutral on cosmetics it's like if you like them and you believe they will actually you know improve your enjoyment of the game yeah by all means buy them but if you are trying to like you know you're on a tight schedule here for uh you're running a tight ship as far as resources go yeah don't don't spend your money on cosmetics mm -hmm. you know like they, they don't advance you in your collection building. They don't actually change the outcome of the game. I'm pretty sure you can, like, turn them off <laughs> yeah. if you want to. So. Or just, like, never turn them on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other quick things. So there are arena codes that come every once in a while. Literally just Google online arena codes, and they give you a bunch of free packs. It's awesome. And um, you should do that as opposed to buying packs from the store that cost a thousand gold because buying one pack for a thousand gold is really bad resource management. Yeah, the yeah, that's the worst deal uh, in the store ever. Um, and it seems really natural, like oh, anytime I hit a thousand gold, I buy a pack. Cool, I get packs. 
Um, you know, if you grew up playing Magic, we love packs, right? But um, no, you'll get more packs by spending your gold in other ways. And uh, this is just not a good deal. So don't buy it. Basically, what I personally do with gold is I always save it up until I can draft. And then I draft with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't like draft, pick the event that you like. If you like constructed events, competitive constructed, or maybe you just want to save it for the arena open whenever that rolls around. Give yourself a chance at the $2,000 arena open, you know. Um, that's, I would prefer you do that than spend it on packs. So uh, just that's the, the big takeaway of this tip is if you like packs, I understand that. A thousand gold for a pack is a ripoff. Yes, it's very bad, um, and it actually took me uh, learning from Jeff, uh, our doctor, math doctor, uh, to, <laughs> to, to tell me that, um, which is really helpful. Uh, another thing, um, this this is something that goes around with new players a lot is that um, uh, you're you're playing best of one to ladder as fast as possible because you want to make it to mythic. Now, it's kind of late in the podcast to tell you this, but if you're trying to make it to Mythic, we are not the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just just because we that's not something we put a lot of focus on. Um, but there are other great people to listen to, so that, that's awesome. But uh, basically, there's, there's a notion that you should, if you realize that you're, there's, you're going to lose the game, you should concede as quickly as possible so that you can start a new game to keep going. Um, and actually win. Um, so you can save time. I think this is kind of a bad practice. It will teach you some really um, bad uh, problem-solving skills where you, you just give up too quickly and you'll, you'll kind of knee-jerk concede uh, much sooner than you should. Um, when you see the one drop you didn't want to see or the wrath, the first wrath that you didn't want to have, all those kinds of things are not really a good way of teaching you how to be better um, or, or, you know, just play magic more and actually enjoy it. So uh, a good rule of thumb is just, you know, s- s- stick it out, sit through it, always play to your outs. Um, there are times to concede, but when you see that, I don't know, Raging Goblin, whatever the card is you don't like, that's, that's not the time. It's the yeah. the ruin crab on turn one or whatever it is. Uh, just don't don't let that get you down. Yeah, I think one way to think about it is it makes sense to concede when you're, you know, everyone can pick their cutoff, right? Like less than one percent chance to win the game. Let's say, mm-hmm. totally fine. Makes sense to concede. The problem is because of your emotional state you are likely misdiagnosing that it's a 1% chance to win. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I've seen people concede just if something happens to go wrong. It's like, yeah, I guess you're an underdog from that point. But, I don't know, like, 40% to win? That's mm-hmm. crazy to concede when you're 40% to win. So, And it's really easy to happen. It happens to all of us in Magic, where you just get really yeah. frustrated that some their opponent had no cards in hand, they drew a card, it was the Wrath of God, all right, the board is wiped, but it's like, all right, but we both have nothing, and my opponent's at, like, four, <laughs> you know, like, I could, I would easily win that game. Mm-hmm. That's a really big setback, but I could easily win that game. So, yeah, 
I, that's why I think it's really good advice to lean towards you're trying to figure out how you can still win the game rather than conceding. Mm-hmm. Um, because probably you're not correctly assessing uh, how long your odds are. Yeah. And the reason we talk about this is because it's, it's a problem that happens in digital magic. Uh, because you can just like kind of tab concede very quickly right. onto the next, yeah. As opposed to in paper, you can't literally just stand up and leave. I guess you can, but you can't do it over and over and over again. Um, because if you do that, you can't play a game within a few seconds. So um, that's why we kind of focus on it here. And I fell victim to it as well. These are all things that I've basically learned for the most part. Um, all right, Jeff. I have one more really important thing to say, but I wanted to, to ask you, is there something you want to leave with new players at this moment before we move on to the most important thing of all <laughs> is what I'm going to say? Because um, whatever you're going to say is not as important as what I'm going to say. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I think the main thing I want to say here, just to give an idea, is like we talked a lot about conversion ratios, getting gold into gems, how much is a gem worth? Is it worth, you know, is a wild card worth $2 worth more than that? Um, but the really, the thing to really keep in mind when it comes down to the economy is just if you treat it as though your resources are always more valuable than you think they are, then I think you will end up sort of naturally making a lot of these right decisions. Like, it's so easy to click the, you know, craft all button. It's so easy. Like the reason they make that easy is because they want it, it to be easy. So just if you value your gold, you value your gems, you value your wild cards, you will naturally be looking for these opportunities that, and you'll, you will realize yourself that a thousand gold for a, a pack is not worth it, you know, but on the face, it's really easy to be like, oh, a new pack, I have a thousand gold, click, click, click. So I think the most important thing is to just just take always take a step back because your biggest enemy is is quick gut reactions on these types of things. So just take a step back and be like, what am I realistically going to get from another pack? A rare that I never use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the most likely outcome by a lot. So... Um, because you'll like open a pack and be like, I didn't even realize this rare was in the set. I just, I thought about all these cool rares that I need. Uh, so you're not very likely to open those. You're really likely to open the garbage. Uh, so just try to, just try to approach it with that mentality. That, hey, this is, even if you value it highly, just always say, this is worth more than I think. And that will stop you from blowing wild cards, from blowing gold, from blowing gems. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest thing i think that's a that's a good way of putting it it's a good rule of thumb when you're looking at a decision take a minute um the last thing i want to leave uh with you all is uh not really about magic but um i think the best thing you can do <laughs> uh <laughs> just fighting with jeff a little bit uh, but the, the best thing you can do is uh find someone that you can kind of go on your arena journey with now, maybe that's a person that is at the same level as you who's played Magic when they were a kid and then are coming to Arena new together. Maybe it's someone who's um, 
new to magic altogether and you're kind of teaching them. Maybe it's someone who's a little bit better than you, but you're good friends. Uh, find that person so that you have someone to talk to about this because really that's, that's kind of what everything is about, right? Is sharing your, your experiences with others. And uh, well, Jeff, you've been that person for me. So I hope that all of you out there have a Jeff or I guess a Zach. I don't know if that's the same, but um, to talk to about this. And if, if you don't have one, you kind of have us. So um, come to our Discord, talk to us about your, your things and we'll, we'll talk back to you. So um, yeah, that makes everything a lot better. And it kind of makes all the economy stuff fade away a little bit um, to, yeah, have a good time. It makes you laugh about it rather than get frustrated. Yeah. You're right. That tip was more important. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I actually, for a second, I wrote it in the show notes. I was worried you're going to take it, but <laughs> <laughs> I actually just didn't even read that far. Good. So. Good. <laughs> I was worried. All right. Um, but with that, you know, have a great arena life. This is not the end of the episode, but it's the end of our arena talk for now. Um, but yeah, anyway, we hope you, you stay with us on this journey as we continue into Arena or you're going, working your way back through our episodes. Either way, um, yeah, this has been fun. It's always nice to kind of get back to the roots of things. Um, but Jeff, it is time for Last Call. So, as always, as we come to Last Call, we need to decide which beer has won the evening whether it's Jeff or mine or um, neither. Just kidding. We never would pick neither. Always a beer wins. Um, uh, our hearts, it, you know, we don't have to agree, but, you know, we rate them on a, a scale of bronze to mythic. And uh, it's just like the tears in the I was going to say, I didn't realize I could abstain all these uh, episodes. <laughs> I will not rate anything. Um, <laughs> so we always rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic. It's just like the tears in arena. Um, this is just a fun way to talk about uh, beers. It has nothing to do with where you are on your arena ladder because the ladder ultimately doesn't matter. We didn't even really talk about it this episode. So look at that. Um, so with that i don't ladder anymore <laughs> yeah exactly uh but with that bronze beers are trash they're horrible beers uh if you put a beer in the bronze tier it means that you didn't even finish it you had you had to stop and pour it down the drain and throw out the can so you didn't have to look at it anymore yeah silver beers are uninteresting most macro brews tend to fall into this category. Uh, gold beers are fine, but you won't really drink them again, probably. Yeah. I think last week I said that platinum was, like, bad or something. I don't know, but I've come up a little bit on platinum. I think they're solid now, and uh, they're beers you'll drink again. Good. I'm really happy with that, um, because diamond beers are exceptional, and you would recommend these to your friends. Uh, these are beers that you, you drink often and you really like. And Mythic, of course, the best of the best. These are beers that you would drive... 20 minutes out of your way for maybe even more um or you would just talk about whenever beer comes up there we go um we try our best not to get uh our uh, style preferences in the way but of course that happens because it's a rating tasting system so what are you gonna do um yeah all right jeff do you have your beer for this evening because i'm still kind of picking and that's as i'm talking to you i'm i'm, I'm picking these things but I think I, I picked which one I want. Okay. I figured it out. I think I'm ready to. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Orange Crush. Okay. I went Little Thrills German Pills. Wow. All right. I like. I didn't think that you were going to pick Orange Crush. And I kind of thought you were going to pick Little Thrills. But, uh, you know, I just had to, had to go with it. Um, 
Uh, cool. Let's talk about mine first then, because uh, sure, because I want to, and I'm talking right now. Uh, still on the palate. It's still on the palate. Um, yeah, Orange Crush. I liked it. It was nice. It felt very session. Um, so the four mm-hmm. percent felt very evident. Um, it feels light, like a tangerine, um, and it's not. If you're a person who's like not really into IPAs, this is a great one for you because it just kind of feels juicy. I, I'm, I'm wondering borderline Rattler feel um, but I did like it quite a bit and the name is always going to get me drinking Orange Crushes watching Orange Crush uh, might have to get some of these for football season Jeff what do you think cool uh, yeah, I mean, you ruined my review because I was going to say that uh, this is mislabeled. It's not an IPA. It's a Rattler. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like it It tastes good. Don't get me wrong. But it just doesn't taste like even a session. I know you're saying session IPA because it's low. Uh, like they labeled it that because it's low alcohol content. But it doesn't taste like an IPA at all. What is it that makes this IPA? <laughs> Uh, Maybe that's why I liked it, because uh, it didn't taste too much like an IPA. <laughs> yeah. If they'd warned me this was a Rattler, maybe my review would be different. But, uh, like, it was refreshing. It was tasty. Everything you said uh, definitely holds. Um, but I just... It's not really what I was expecting, I guess. Yeah, I guess I didn't really have anything that I was expecting. Um, with that being said... No, I'm going to give this Platinum. I liked it. Um, it feels solid to me. Um, I would, if I go back to this brewery, I'll pick up some of these. Um, I know my fiance will like them and, uh, tastes nice in the summer. I think. Yeah. I like it. I think I'll probably also just throw this in platinum. Like I probably won't have it again personally, but if someone was talking, Oh, I just want something craft beer and it's refreshing on a hot day. This is something that I could, I could point someone to and be like, I have a reasonable, uh, expectation that they'll like it. Yeah, I also live in a house that is really big on Rattlers for some reason. I don't really know why, but everyone like loves Rattlers in the summer. So um, having this instead uh, feels a little bit closer to beer, which is funny because of course you're thinking it pushes closer to non-beer. But if you're comparing it to a Rattler, maybe yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When you're um, comparing it to an IPA, this. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, they're just words. Uh, let's talk about Little Thrills German Pills. Uh, yeah, so I like this one because uh, it had flavor. And <laughs> I, it tasted like beer, which I wasn't expecting from a Pilsner. Especially when you see like German Pilsner too. You're like, yeah, oh, that's going to taste like, like, re- like it'll be light and refreshing, whatever. I get, I get it, you know, German Pilsner fans out there. But it, <laughs> it won't really taste like anything. Um, and this one, it like, it wasn't so heavy that it's like, oh, I think this is mislabeled. It's just not a Pilsner. Like it definitely is, but it, I guess a lot of the time with Pilsners, I'm wondering why am I paying extra for a craft Pilsner? Uh, cause a lot of them taste so similar mm-hmm. and I didn't get that feeling from this one. I was like, no, this, I can taste that it's a Pilsner, it tastes well-made but it has their own sort of spin on it too. It has a flavor that they have, that the brewmaster has like put into this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I I mean, I'm coming around on Pilsners. I've been enjoying their their taste a lot more. Uh, the more I'm looking for lighter beers. Yeah, just sitting Christmas. in his backyard with Pilsners and Rattlers. That's, you know, that's, that's what's going on, man. <laughs> what's going on over there, man? Hey, you, your, your AC, you moved away. AC turns off but, for a couple yeah, hours. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Everything changed. Uh, no, I, but I, I, I liked it. Um, it. It immediately was basically what I was looking for and what I wanted from it. So th- there were no real surprises. Um, but I thought it was good. Also seems like platinum to me. Um, yeah, I'm going to like go out on a limb and give it diamond for me. Just because, like oh I said, God. usually with craft Pilsners, I'm like, that wasn't worth the money. Because <laughs> you pay extra for craft, and I don't know that I would enjoyed it more than I would have mm-hmm. any Pilsner, right? So it's like, why did I spend you know, 1.5 as much for the craft version of, of something that I can't distinguish. Whereas I felt with this one that I was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is worth uh, the craft price. Very good. I'm excited for the rest of the beers we're going to get from this brewery. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that, everyone. But with that, it is now closing time. You can Oof. always find us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Um, you can also find us on Arena itself occasionally under the username Arena Regulars Podcast, which is a totally free-to-play account that we made. Didn't even buy the welcome bundle and uh, had built up quite a collection that allowed us to even play some Tier 1 standard decks. Yeah, made it to Mythic and everything. Uh you can find me personally at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G, on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter uh, at BluesBrewsMTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. But the best place to get a hold of me is on our Discord. That's right. So go to our Twitter, and you can find the pinned uh, link there. But also, it's just search Arena Regulars on Discord, and you'll find us. Yep, that'll be us. Yep. Uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, follow us on Spotify, and leave us a review there as well. Just kind of go into Google, find anything that says Arena Regulars, and follow those things. It's really helpful. Um, it makes our episodes more searchable. It's like a whole algorithm thing. I don't know. Ask Jeff, who's the math doctor. He knows more about that stuff. Um, but uh, What's an algorithm? What's an algorithm? Um, but anyway, it, it, it helps out the podcast, and we want to be able to be a positive voice in sometimes a negative community. So um, if you've enjoyed that, wonderful. If not, I'm sorry. Maybe we'll be more negative next time. Probably not, though. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you to rare draft. Good night. All right, that's fine.